Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another installment here on Trench Warfare, my 25 podcast audio series about the uh, subject of the First World War. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we will be continuing our trek through the Great War, as well as it was known as the War to End All Wars, as we now explore while the most greatest combative and biological and chemical means of real-time warfare. And so, join me now as we embark on trench warfare, the war, gas attacks, here on Tuesdays for Tomorrow. Long before the year 1915, during the First World War, as it progressed, a very strange and misty sight had soon crept above the battlefront, mainly over no man's land, between the two warring factions. Although it was rumored to be invented a year back in 1914 in Germany, and it it first had a very specific smell of pineapple and pepper, But then again, ladies and gentlemen, the origins of poison gas attacks during the First World War were nothing new. It was during the battles of Ypres and elsewhere during the conflict that many, many bold, hardened soldiers on both sides of the battlefront soon experienced high levels of poison gas. first came during the war was the chlorine gas, then the mustard gas, then gas that came in smelling like pineapple, pepper, and so on and so on. But the origins of poison gas and gas warfare during the First World War is what we'll be discovering and looking further into tonight here on Trench Warfare for tonight's episode. And so, ladies and gentlemen, join me now as we look more deeper into gas warfare. But as the year 1915 during the war was beginning to come to a close and the world was still entrenched in a new kind of warfare, which is known nowadays as a first world war that also meant all total war. It was during the 1915 that poison gas was no doubt mentioned earlier in this episode to be first used against the two opposing forces. How did the two opposing forces during the First World War ever use poison gas? It was very simple. First, it was sprayed on into the battlefield, mainly over no man's land, onto the occupants of the opposing trench. Then later on, specialized artillery cannon shells that contained the poison gas, if it either be chlorine or mustard or 
a greenish pineapple pepper scented poison gas filled will often be hurled by cannon towards the both opposing sides. But the medical reports that dated back then during the First World War when one came to inhale such poison gas was not a pretty sight, nor it was something not to be marveled at. It was during a battle when the French were fighting against the Imperial Germans out on the Western Front during the conflict that they soon experienced one of the world's most lethal and deadly doses of poison gas that was hurled towards them by the Germans in a form of an artillery shell. The actual metal reports of an allied or central power soldier inhaling the gas were very horrific and very deadly, including very shocking. First, they would cough uncontrollably, then prolonged exposure to it would, would cause severe breathing problems, gagging fits, heavy, coughed, heavy coughing fits laced with blood, including some of it may cause either delirium or total blindness in some persons that participated in the war. Yet it was first created in a a German laboratory back a year before the war had broken out in 1914 that poison gas was relatively back in their day something new that would be ultimately tested on the battlefront during a major conflict such as the First World War onwards. It was also during the time that many people who were living in the trenches during the conflict were often also looking for places to hide from such gas attacks. Both sides had people that were immediately sentries and stationed on parapets that were either blew a tin whistle or rang a small bell that would warn several members of his platoon or whoever occupants down the trenches that a poison gas attack was imminent. But supposedly, ladies and gentlemen, supposedly we step back from this part here of the war during the year 1915. How did the Allies and the Central Power soldiers ever cope with such motions of poison gas attacks during the conflict? Simple. It was by then during this year, in the year 1915, that several primitive type or unearthly and more alien looking like gas masks had started to to appear. The Germans had theirs that were contained, that were largely contained in large metal similar containers, whereas with the British, they had theirs known as a, as a small small box respirator mask or SBR mask that, can, that was contained in a small box-like pouch that was worn in front of their uniform as they marched off into battle. 
The small box respirator was also adopted by the American Expeditionary Force when they first entered into the war in 1917, mainly for the main reasons just to fend off any gas attacks that might have been launched between them and the Imperial Germans during the last couple of years of the war. Many other countries that also had gas masks had included the French, especially the Imperial Russians on the Eastern Front, as well as everyone else, long before the United States had entered into the conflict during the 1910s. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a step back during this episode, in which we'll be looking at, for the rest of the hour, is the actual history of gas warfare from then till now. And so, ladies and gentlemen, join me as we look at that here on Tuesdays for Tomorrow. It has been said over the course of our own human history that the true form of gas warfare in a major large-scale conflict such as the World War first began in the First World War. That, ladies and gentlemen, is, is by no means a more encyclopedic and dictionaric fact. True gas warfare, as I've mentioned earlier in this episode, first began on the Western Front in 1915. It was during a battle between the French army and the Imperial Germans. While both sides had were fiercely were trying to break the, the ever-enduring and continuing stalemate of absolute trench warfare. When this new ingenious type of was now known as biological or even chemical warfare had started to appear. It was during that time that many French soldiers have also succumbed to the very dangerous and deadly effects of poison gas that was launched and hurled at them by the Germans. But since then, ladies and gentlemen, other Allied forces, such as the Italians, the Belgians, especially the British Expeditionary Force, first led by Sir John French, later by Earl Douglas Haig, who later took over the British PEF on the Western Front once the year 1916 came around. Many Allied soldiers, including Central Power soldiers that had succumbed to the lethal and deadly effects of poison gas, were often seen as lying, lying in hospital. Some of them had very severe, very bad to very severe respiratory or breathing problems. Others had both breathing problems, especially acute blindness. In other words, they couldn't even see due to the actual effects of both chemical and biological warfare agents such as the chlorine and mustard gas. 
It was during the First World War that, ever since the Americans had entered into the conflict in 1917, even some Americans also, who had first fought in the battles, closing battles of the First World War, had also had possibly succumbed to gas attacks that were being used by both the Germans and the rest of the Central Powers nations at the time as a last-ditch effort to win a more crucial and total military victory over the Allies. But ever since the war had ended in November of 1918, the use of poison gas during warfare since that time has long been banned by several international treaties and even by the Geneva Convention. One such incident that occurred even into the Second World War era was at the Italian port of Bari in Italy during the 1940s that had supposedly was rumored to have included several canisters of poison gas that was rumored or supposedly used on that town's um, internal inhabitants that had also included one Jimmy Doolittle who was rumored to be president at the time. Even Sir Winston Churchill, right before the Battle of Britain had occurred from July to the 31st of October in 1940, had once or was rumored to have said that he had proposed using poison gas to keep the German Wehrmacht from entering into the British Isles if they were ever to invade from occupied northern France and elsewhere during the time. But since then, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to poison gas and actual total warfare, there have been every, in almost every instance, many known technological and military prime examples of such poison gas being used in much later wars besides both the First and the Second World Wars. Agent Orange was also used as a herbicide as well as a poison gas element during Vietnam War all the way down to supposedly choking uh, vapors that, that succumbed that many Allied soldiers during the Persian Gulf War in early 1991 had also have succumbed to such poison gas-like toxic reactions to crude oil wells burning in a distance. But it was only the absolute invention of Scud missiles that were being heard, hurled during that during that time that had also contained a more poison gas-like element that were hurled at Israeli cities like Tel Aviv and Jerusalem back in early 1991 towards a military barracks base that killed three Allied soldiers and at Saudi Arabia while they were being launched from Iraq during that conflict. It was also during a time, most recently, if you all remember, 
that the main reason why both the United States, the United Kingdom, and France have flown several airstrikes against the country of Syria, even here into the, the much earlier parts of the 21st century, because of the Syrian leader most recently have been using a more biological and nerve gas agent known as sarin gas to sincerely choke and severely respiratorily and physically cripple his own people while deploying such should we say such paralyzing and most lethal form of nerve gas or even poison gas that still currently exists even in our world of today and so ladies and gentlemen back to this new episode that I'm reciting for you all tonight on this wonderfully silent and Friday evening the 20th of October of 2023 and so my main question to you all is during this episode is this where did, actually, where did poison gas actually come from? If you all look in the opening monologue of this episode, it was originally invented in a German laboratory back during the year 1914 that had first a very distinctive, very distinctive smell of pineapple and pepper before it was later adapted and modified for use on the battlefield that later became known for such uses of mustard and chlorine gas that were hurled on both sides of the battlefront during the conflict. As the year 1915 rolled on towards the beginning of 1916, more and more nations had, had now seen each other enduring the very lasting effects of the First World War. With the advent of gas warfare, first known being sprayed on the, onto the battlefield and later hurled at the opposing side by means of special artillery shells, as I've record, mentioned before earlier in this broadcast, mainly all armies during the conflict had started to wear such primitive and crude Crude, uh, crudely designed gas masks with the German ones and the British SBR gas masks being the most effective means against these type of biological and chemical deadly nerve agents that could both give you a choking sensation huge coughing sensation and even can blind, blind you according to some medical reports during the era. But as the year of 1915 was starting to end, while the Earth itself during that time of that year had already had seen the huge horrors of what the year 1915 had, had brought, not only to the European continents, but to the rest of the world, a more global massive scale type of conflict was by then already started to take shape 
that no one know back then in December of 1915 on both the western and eastern fronts of the war cannot even compare to what the year of 1916 will really have in store for them. Good night, everyone. May God bless all of us, our children, and our planet. I really want you to think, not panic. Thus so ends this episode here on Trench Warfare. Before I go, I'd like to say a special shout out to all my listeners who have been following me here on Spotify Podcasters, Spotify iHeartRadio, Radio Public, Apple and Google Podcasts, where you are hearing my voice and my podcast entitled Tuesdays for Tomorrow on. If you are a man, woman, or a child, either here in the Americas or even around the world, such as any of the other continents who have first joined me here on Tuesdays for Tomorrow, then I sincerely would like to welcome you all. If you'd like to follow me here on Spotify for Podcasters, you are more than free to do so or even rate the show. Any kind of type of rating will, will be awfully be grad, gradually appreciated. I'd also like to like to welcome my listeners, if I have any, on any world-known social media platforms such as Facebook, X, now formerly Twitter, Instagram, Meta, or any other type of other social media platform device that you're using to hear my podcast as well as my voice, then I sincerely, sincerely thank you all for supporting me and encouraging me in this more extremely talented and public speaking endeavor. But for now, I'd just like to say... Good night, everyone, ladies and gentlemen. Have a very good weekend, and we'll see you again next time here on Tuesdays for Tomorrow. Good night, everyone.